Alrighty, hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast, the last hurrah of November 2023. Happy Thursday to you. Happy 30th to you. I am Derek Hunter. This is the Derek Hunter Podcast, which I believe I already opened up and said. Uh, so much going on. We're going to have the weekend F and review again. It's going to be a lot of fun. Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or DerekHunter.locals.com. Check it out. Support the program. Vent by proxy through me it shall be glorious about the news and all the stupidity that goes on in our society and culture and political class and everything really good lord anyway check that out please if you will uh i let's start off i didn't comment on this i haven't because everybody's been commenting on it and there's nothing to say really except how awful these people are there's nothing new to say except now there is so I shall comment on it. That little Chiefs fan, first of all, the Chiefs, come on. Maybe it's Taylor Swift that's got him interested in it. But uh, the kid who was dressed up in the Indian headdress and he had his face painted half black and half red because that's the color of the teams. This jackass Carol or Karen Phillips, C-A-R-R-O-N, Phillips over at Deadspin. Deadspin, I don't understand it, but it seems to me like most of sports media is done by people who hate sports. You should not have your sports reporter be the guy who is picked last all the time. They're going to carry that chip on their shoulder for the rest of their freaking lives. They're never going to get over it. And so you should not put them on the sports beat. You should be able to demonstrate basic knowledge of a sport and the basic coordination to have played it as a child. And if you didn't and played it well, and if you can't, if you don't, if you then you don't get to go on the sports beat because it's all these you know, angry leftists, nerdy guys and women who are like mad that they're women going out there writing about sports and all they do is bitch about it. And you're like, what is your problem? Why? It's not a sports beat. And uh, most sports blogs are now political blogs. It's not just on the left. It's on the right, too. The uh, Outkick. Outkick is just, it was bought by Fox. It's an appendage of Fox. It's nonstop crap about politics by people who should be writing about sports. Like, why the hell are you writing about politics? Because that gets more eyeballs. It's all about business. It doesn't matter whether you know anything or have any justified opinions or can back them up with facts, data, or experience. It is, can you get eyeballs on your crap? That's why you, I can't watch, I, I swear to God. I, I, I'm sure I'm already banned from Vox, but I think I'm going to probably make it permanent because one of these weeks for a column for the Hill, I'm going to sit down. I'm not going to watch it live because I just can't bring myself to do that. But I will DVR Fox primetime and write down the guests and you will discover that 90% of the people are employees one way or another of the network itself of the, or the parent company and the rest are members of Congress or guests they have 
constantly who aren't technically being paid, or maybe they are, they just don't announce it. It is absolute crap. I know these people on television. They don't, I wouldn't listen, I wouldn't take their advice on where to get a car wash. And yet we're supposed to know, oh, they're talking about China. Now they're talking about health policy. Oh, now they're talking about the economy. None of these, some of them are just spoiled rich kids. But it's just like you are not an expert on everything. There are actual experts of things in, the, in Washington, D.C. It's their jobs. And you're ignoring them because you got to have somebody who's under contract. Now, I get it. Fox, the left ruined Fox. That Dominion lawsuit where they had to pay almost a billion dollars, that ruined Fox. Fox changed pretty dramatically after that. They were always bad, but they became much, much worse. And you, you just sit there and you go, this isn't news anymore. This is safe agreement. This is a safe space. It's sad. It's a safe space for people we agree with, but it's a safe space. It's awful. Anyway, sports media is worse. And Deadspin is terrible. Deadspin is really literally just, it's dudes who never kissed a girl and got picked last for sports. There it is. I imagine that's what uh, a big part of Karen Phillips's life is. So he sees a, a like a five-year-old kid or whatever the kid is, and he, oh, he's dressed up. Now this guy has a history of writing racist crap because that's all politics. It's all left-wing is. That's all progressivism is. Is race grievances and victimhood. I tell you that victimhood is the coin of the realm. It's the Bitcoin. It's currency over there on the left. People aspire to find new ways to be victims. This talentless writer makes a living writing and he'll claim victimhood. Like, really? You're attacking a five-year-old kid who you think is white because he's white because he's out there supporting his team. I mean, back in the day when the Redskins were the Redskins and they had the... uh, the people who dressed up like pigs. I don't even remember why they looked like dressed up like with the pig noses and everything. But they did. It's something to do with, uh, I, I can't even remember if the offensive line was hogs, defensive line was hogs, or the the uh, running backs were hogs. Whatever it was, somebody in that was associated with the team was hogs. So you'd have these fat white guys dressed up, and sometimes fat black guys dressed up with pig noses on and they'd be shirtless in the cold, which is another phenomenon I never, I never understood. I don't understand people. I mean, I guess it's because they desperately want to get on television. I've never desperately wanted to get on television, so I don't understand that drive of I will debase myself. I'll make my, I'll humiliate myself for three seconds of airtime so that I can wave to somebody at home who I didn't feel like buying a ticket for or whatever. But uh, nowadays, what is somebody going to, the, the equivalent would be, oh, they're, they're appropriating the style and appeal and appearance of pigs, and that's wrong. Shut the hell up. Honest to God, if this is where you spend a lot of time, if you burn a lot of calories, you bring nothing to the table. You literally bring nothing to the table of the, the species of which we are members. You bring, no, it's, it's better off if you weren't here. Go live in the woods somewhere. Ted Kaczynski is now dead. His uh, pup tent is somewhere in a museum, but go, go visit it. 
take a look at it and see how you can live off the grid and leave people the hell alone. Leave normal people alone. Leave good people alone. And go live in a shack somewhere. You are not worth having around. So this story today from the New York Post. The mother of a young football fan who wore a headdress and painted his face black and red to a Kansas City Chiefs game blasted Deadspin, accusing him uh, of doubling up on racism against black and native communities, noting that her son is himself Native American. Oh, yes. See, good old Karen, was he just took half the picture of the black half of his face and said, oh, he's doing blackface, this kid. Get him, burn him. I think he's got a real problem with white people, if I had to guess. Must be because he's not talented, and rather than look inward to find out why he sucks, he's decided to look outward and say, why am I stuck at dead spin? People are mean to me because of the color of my skin. Like, no, you're an ass, and you suck at your job. And, you know, you never hire anybody who'd be a lawsuit to fire. That would be my advice, and he strikes me as that type. But he said, oh, this guy's doing blackface. And then when he saw that the full picture of the other half of his face was red and it was the team colors, he still said, that's even worse because he's wearing the Indian headdress and the red skin and blah. It was all, he was just trying to dig. When you, when you find yourself in a hole, stop digging. But if you aren't smart, this is what you do. So you end up making an ass out of yourself. And it turns out the kid is Native American. So he can paint his face or he can wear the headdress all he wants. Anybody can. I don't give a crap. But under the rules that these little Nazis try to run their mental concentration camps under, this kid is kosher. He's down. He's allowed. Holden Armetta became an unexpected focus of an article by senior writer Karen Phillips that focused on a photo of the boy standing sideways, suggesting he was wearing blackface with no mention of the red side. Quote, The NFL needs to speak out against Kansas City Chiefs fan in blackface, native headdress, end quote, read the headline which accused the boy of doubling up on racism. Phillips, a former New York Daily News reporter, also slammed Holden's Native American headdress and his tomahawk chop gesture, claiming the boy, quote, found a way to hate black people and Native Americans at the same time. Now, I hope this kid's family sues the ever-loving crap out of this jackass and deadspin. We got Gawker killed, and the world is a better place for Gawker being killed. These sites are slowly dying, but it might as well get some money out of it on the way out. Quote, this is what Phillips wrote, It takes a lot to disrespect two groups of people at once, Phillips wrote in the article, which has since been tagged with a community note on X, branding it purposefully deceiving. Now, you got to love that. The guy, like, this takes a lot to offend me. No. Nobody was offended, except for you, you talentless hack. You're sitting there, why are you wearing a tie? That's cultural appropriation. Why are you wearing a vest? That's cultural appropriation. A collared shirt, that's cultural appropriation. It's, I mean, you can take this to the stupid degree. I mean, we're pretty close with this story. But you can take it even further, if you so desire, and really point out the hypocrisy and give them a giant dose of their own medicine. But personally, I would prefer 
that these people be punished, be sued. Oh, you're punishing them for their opinion? No, it's not their opinion. You can sit there and say all day long, I don't think kids should dress like this. I don't think this, that, and the other thing, whatever. You're accusing him of being a racist. You're accusing a kid of being a racist. That's different than pointing out that you don't think people should dress like this. If you don't notice the difference, I don't know what to tell you. I think both are stupid to do, but you can do that without any consequences. Once there's a, an old, I can't remember who said it, but there was a story I heard. It's probably apocryphal, but whatever. Might have been either uh, Earl Weaver or Sparky Anderson or Billy Martin. And it was about how, what it is you have, because those guys all had, it seems to be gone today, but the violent seeming spit flying, red faced, on the verge of, my God, he's going to deck him fights with umpires, right? And you sit there and you watch, and some of them went on for a very long time. And then like after five minutes, they get thrown out and you think, well, the umpires just had enough. One of those guys said something along the lines of there's one word that will get you thrown out by an umpire. It's whatever follows the word you. You can say anything about the stupidity of the call and you disagree with this, that, and the other thing. But once it, you, you blankety blank, you blankety blank, once it became you, once it became not about the call, not about the rules, not about the ruling, whatever, once it became personal, then the umpire said, get your ass out of here. That's the line I would say is you want to have an opinion, you can have as stupid opinion as you want. But once you get to the point of saying you are this, it's not you're stupid, I disagree with you, I think you're stupid. It is you're racist. Or even I think you're racist, but he didn't go that far. He didn't have that caveat in there. Was, you're racist. You're then, you're slandering somebody. You're libeling somebody. You are crossing that line. It's not a public figure. The bar to prove that is for a public figure is exceedingly high. You have to prove intentional malice and foreknowledge and what have you. But for a freaking kid, a prepubescent kid who turns out to be Native American. Good God. Karen continues, this is what happens when you ban books, stand against critical race theory, and try to erase centuries of hate. You give future generations the ammunition they need to evolve and recreate racism better than before. Can you imagine being an adult, looking at a kid at a football game, and having all of these things come rushing to you. The boy's outraged mother, Shannon M. Ementa, shared numerous images of her son getting a warm reception at the game while suggesting Deadspin focused on a photo that hid the fact that half her son's face was painted red. Quote, this has nothing to do with the NFL, she wrote, suggesting that the photo was picked purely to create division. Quote, he is Native American. Just stop already, she wrote of her son. In fact, Holden's grandfather, Raul M. Armenta, sits on the board of the Chumash tribe in Santa Santa Yanez. I don't know how the Yanez. I don't know how you pronounce that. California, according to the Post Millennial, Raul is listed as a business committee member who was first elected to the board in 2016 on the tribe's website. Quote, he looks forward to continuing the legacy of building solid economic foundation for future generations of the Chumash tribe, it reads. Don't you love that? 
You're a racist piece of shit who hates black people. I'm black. What? This is the left-wing identity politics. This is how, you know, like, uh, well, no, but you're not really black. You're not really black. <laughs> now, what are you doing? Well, the reason I bring that up is Vice Magazine. Yeah, they're still alive. They're, they're dying slowly, but they're still alive. They put out something that, God, the left, they deserve each other. They are horrible creatures. Something by somebody called Casina Boom. I don't know if anybody would do that to a child in real life, but I really don't care either way. Uh, the 100 Ways White People Can Make Life Less Frustrating for People of Color. So if you had set out today to do that, to find a way here, I've spared you the time. I've just got <laughs> this is how this piece of crap opens up. As someone with very low tolerance for racist bullshit, I've managed to surround myself with white people who are cognizant of their privilege and strive to make the world a little less terrifying and frustrating place for people of color. Right there. How do you type while nailing yourself to a cross? I don't know how you do it. It's a pretty good skill. Maybe you use your toes. Not really sure. But this just lets you know where this is coming from. And the editor's advice, the, the shareholder's advice, the people who are watching their money just evaporate every day. They're sitting around going, no, I don't know. What, what can we do to save this company? Hey, you're, you're publishing crap like this. This might be why nobody's coming to read your crap anymore. All right? This means that I often deal with said white people asking me what they can actually do to affect change. So here, anxious allies of the world are 100 simple ways to be the change. It's not nearly comprehensive, but it's somewhere to start. Go forth and disrupt our harmful racial paradigm. Yeah, I would say the most harsh, uh, the most uh, damaging racial paradigm is that black people can't handle themselves in the real world. They need to be coddled. They need to be handheld. They need to be treated the way that leftists treats them. But anyway, let's just read a couple of these, shall we? Number one, just because you can't see racism around you doesn't mean it's not happening. Trust people of color's assessment of the situation. Oh, that's racist. No, it's not. Yes, it is. I said, oh, okay, well, there you go. Let me pull up my sleeve and show you that I am darker than you, and therefore I have uh, the ultimate authority on that. Oh, all right, there you go. Don't assume that all people of color share the same views. We are not a monolith. Yeah, no, there are liberals, and then there are Uncle Toms <laughs> that are badgered by leftists saying, hey, you're not really black. You got the president of the United States saying, if you don't know you want to vote for me or Donald Trump, then you ain't black. Yeah, you're not a monolith. You just ostracize anybody who doesn't get in line and obey. Don't ass Number three, don't assume or guess people's race. This is not a fun game for us. It's not a game that any, like, I bet you it's liberals who do that. They need to know how to, how do I defer to you? How many lashes do I, verbal lashes do I let you give me? Because it depends on how white you are, how black you are, and how guilty I feel in dealing with you. God, I don't get these people at all. Uh, number four, if somebody tells you they're from Uganda, don't say, I went to Nigeria once. Just please. What if somebody tells you they're from Vice? 
Can you tell them that you once read somebody who was talented and smart? Or is that considered an insult to the person who works for Vice? I think that might be considered an insult. But anyway, you get down to number 16. This is relevant to the story we were just talking about. Number 16, don't question someone's blackness if they're light-skinned. It's not your place. Other black people can make sure that light-skinned black people are cognizant of their privilege. <laughs> I love, first of all, who the hell? Hey, you're black. No, you're too light-skinned to be black. You're not. You're off-white, definitely, but not black. So you don't count as black. Who does that? Liberals do. Liberals do it all the time. But don't worry. Black people will hold that in there. You got to love that. Black people will give other black people crap because they're too light-skinned. You, you may not know this, but there is the because of the greatest perpetrators of racism are the progressives. They truly are. The leftists, the liberals, whatever. It's amazing to me. They have always, they've been the party of slavery, the party of Jim Crow, et cetera, et cetera. Um, within the racism is and victimhood is such a currency now that there is jealousy and hatred within the black community depending on how physically black somebody's skin is. It's hard to articulate because it's so freaking stupid. Like somebody sitting around going, my skin is, my skin is sort of an olive hue, particularly in the summer. And it's, I believe it's the Mediterranean Italian part of me that does that. But um, there are some people whose camouflage in a snowstorm would be nudity. Somebody just so white, the Irish side of my family and, and my Irish friends. I like, ah, oh, the sun, get it away. Those sorts of people that you just look, they're almost translucent. There is no, you're not really white sort of, we don't think about it. So this is the thing, the left is obsessed with race. They need people obsessed with race because then if you're obsessed with race, any failure, any shortcoming, any slight, anything whatsoever can be attributed to that rather than the fact that maybe you're just not talented enough, you didn't work hard enough, or you're a jerk or something like that. It's a way to absolve yourself of responsibility. So they come up with all of these different ways of caring. The darker you are, the more victimhood you are. Why? I don't know why. It just is. You're either one thing or another. The, the Democrats, I mean, the progressives created the one-drop rule, for God's sakes, when dealing with race in the South. They wrote it down in Nuremberg with the Nuremberg rules and Judaism. They have always demanded purity and segregation and separation and tried to put it in policies and tried to put it in law and tried to punish people for it. And they're doing this now, now within the black community. Now, this is the liberal progressive blacks. They don't worry, we'll take care of it. If somebody's too light-skinned, they don't, they're not really black. They can't, what, can you not rap Tupac lyrics? Can you not sing along with NWA? Can, is that how it is? Is it based on your, is there some sort of thing like when you're buying paint, and you pull that out and go, all right, uh, then my arm matches this color. I can only sing along with these sorts of songs. But if I'm all the way over here, I get to do more. If I'm over there, I get to do less. It is so damn stupid. These people deserve every bad thing that comes their way. 
every bad thing that comes their way. Maybe tomorrow I'll go further into this list. It is, it is something to behold that somebody took the time to write this. And moreover, somebody took the time to, to edit this. They went through and <laughs> people signed off on this. It doesn't just go like you, you can't get very few people have, especially on you know, websites that are real companies. You, you can't just publish yourself eyes have to be on it. And you don't get to decide what you write and then submit it and see what they say. Eyes have to be on it. Assignments have to be given. That means that people in positions of authority at Vice all signed off on this along the way and said, yeah, let's do this. Okay, let's do this. This sounds like a really good piece. It's more than likely a whole bunch of white people, left-wing, effeminate white men going, well, I don't want to, I, I, maybe their inner monologue is going, this is not going to be good. This isn't, but I can't say no. If I said no, I would be guilty of racism. That kind of crap would be my guess. So it's just kind of funny to watch. But that's what so many industries have become. They've been infested as liberals metastasize themselves throughout the industry, and they're running them into the ground. And it's hard to care. It's honestly hard to care. The Daily Mail, along that line, this is not the show I intended to do, but this is the show we're going to get, since they all sort of, I'm looking at these tabs, and they all kind of go together. The headline, God, the Daily Mail writes the longest freaking headlines. I'm not even going to read the headline. It's too damn big, because it also is repeated in the first few paragraphs. Which is, Woke books that were bought for huge advances by inexperienced editors have flopped commercially insiders say, quote, ideological fanatics allowing their politics to dictate professional decisions have seen profits slump, according to industry experts. Among the works responsible for huge losses is the once hotly anticipated memoir by actor Elliot Page, Ellen Page, about her journey transitioning. Page Boy sold for a $3 million advance, but has only sold 68 thousand copies. Now, 68,000 copies is nothing to sniff at. It was a New York Times bestseller for a long time. It was on the best. It was selling a ton of copies as far as the number of books sold on uh, Publishers Weekly. It was a lot. But if you just look at it, knowing a little bit about the publishing industry, the publisher makes about 12 to 15 bucks a book profit. They got to you know pay for the paper, the binding, the printing, whatever, all the, and all the process of writing it and everything. So they're making that, if you just, not, not including the advance. The advance is a different thing. The advance is against future earnings. The first time author will make four bucks, maybe five bucks per book. Um, somebody like Ellen Page was given a $3 million advance. I don't know what the rate would be, it could be 10 bucks a book, could be something like that. Whatever it is, did not come anywhere close to earning a $3 million advance. If the publisher was making 12 bucks a book, that's $816,000. Having paid $3 million for that, you can see how that's a bit of a loss. If it's 15 bucks a book, it's still $1,020,000 still well below the $3 million advance. If it's 20 bucks a book, 
It's just $1.36 million. You see, there's no way they earned back this money on selling 68,000 copies. Now, somebody like Michelle Obama, they, uh, they sold over a million copies of the book. I don't know how they recouped the $80 million that they gave them both for four books, but they work it out somehow. They at least sold some copies. 68000 on a $3 million advance is really bad. It says, industry standards suggest for publishers paying roughly $7 per book sold is considered a good deal, according to Free Press. I think it's more when it's celebrity and there's a bidding war. You can get anything you want. It means that even a book that sells tens of thousands of copies, such as Pages, can still tank commercially. Yeah, they still tank commercially. Now, other ones. Other recent woke flops are Carolyn Fennell's Dear Miss Metropolitan, described by the New York Times as, quote, a story of three young girls, black and biracial, who are kidnapped and thrown into the basement of a decaying house in Queens. <laughs> Doesn't that sound awesome? Doesn't that something? I don't know what you're doing this weekend, but rewrite your plans. The novel was acquired for a deal estimated to be worth $250,000, but has shifted just 3,163 copies since it was published in 2021. My book sold four times as many. Another example of queer feminist Western, er, another example is queer feminist Western Lucky Red by Claudia Cravens, which has sold around 3,500 copies despite commanding a $500,000 advance. There is no way on earth that these things can work. But if you know anything about the book publishing world, and you don't have to know the ins and outs of book publishing, but in the book publishing world, the young adult market is, if you get a young adult hit, you're, you're set. But there were books in the last few years, and the young adult market has gone crazy, because if it's not gay, if they're not gay characters, if they're not off-white characters, if they're not whatever, not culturally diverse enough, you will get slammed. But if you're a white writer who writes a book about, say, a Hispanic woman's journey to become an American, an illegal alien up to whatever, blah, 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 you then also get slammed because you are not what you're writing about. You are writing about a Hispanic character, but you're white. You can't do that. There have been books that were set to be published by famous authors that were pulled because the subject matter at the time when they started writing it was kosher, you're allowed to write it, but it had turned to something different with this identity politics crap. And so they pulled the book. You're not allowed to write this kind of character. It's so freaking stupid, it's hilarious. I do love it when leftists, uh, and these are leftists, the, the author, in the case I'm thinking of, the author actually pulled the book the, herself because she realized that she was wrong to write about a character that wasn't exactly like her. It's so screwed up. It's so funny. It's so pathetic. It couldn't happen to a nicer, more deserving group of people. But as you watch this industry collapse, and this industry, make no mistake about it, this industry is collapsing. As you watch it collapse, it's going to get crazier and crazier because they're now getting mad at kids at football games. They're now saying, don't worry about black. We'll police our own when it comes to people who aren't quite black enough or whatever. That the audience for this crap is shrinking to the point that it's collapsing on itself, but they are not. If there's one thing the left is not capable of, it's recognizing 
when they are unpopular. That's why you end up with the people doing the die-ins in favor of Hamas going, the majority of Democrats don't like what's going on. The majority are with it. No, there's 80% support for Israel. Even amongst Democrats, there's like 60%, 70% support for Israel against the Hamas terrorists. You just live in this Pauline Kale-type world. Pauline Kale was the former New York Times film critic who, again, it's probably not a true story, but is attributed with the quote of, I don't know how Richard Nixon won re-election. I don't know anybody who vote for, voted for him. It's that kind of mentality, this insulated world. Social media doesn't help. You can create a world where you really believe the polls, you really believe that there's massive support for somebody. Twitter is not real life. Facebook is not real life. Only real life is real life, and that's just barely real life anymore. But you know, that's why I recommend people watch MSNBC every once in a while. Watch CNN every once in a while. There's a whole other world out there, and there's a hell of a lot more people in that one than in the watching Fox and Newsmax world. Nobody watches Newsmax. But the, the watching Fox world, you get two and a half million people watching Fox. It's a nation of 330 million. Do the math. Don't be surprised by this crap. Watch the left collapse and learn, enjoy it. Laugh at it. Watch the death throes. They're going to get crazier as this world gets smaller because fewer people care when somebody's now calling somebody racist. They're just like, whatever. So they're going to have to do it in more flamboyant, more outrageous, more ridiculous ways. But enjoy it, watch it, and learn from it as well. Don't fall into those traps social media and the world you construct for yourself by keeping away from other opinions, by keeping away from other people is not real life at all. Don't fool yourselves. That way you're not surprised when you know somebody wins over somebody else. What happened? I thought there was going to be a red wave. Well, there's a whole world out here that you're not really engaged in. Preaching to the choir gets you a really good song. It doesn't get you a bigger choir. Anyway, that is enough for today. I didn't intend it, but all those things kind of wove together. There are other things, but whatever. We've got another day tomorrow. We get to start December tomorrow. Look at that. And then Christmas time really, really starts. And it's freaking cold, so it already feels like Christmas. Have yourself a wonderful Thursday. I'll see you on Friday as we get ready for the weekend. 